Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the January 27th, 2023 episode of KASB's The Advocate Podcast. I'm Leah Flyter, and as always, I'm joined today by my colleagues, John Four and Scott Rothschild, and our fabulous producer, Alec Mandrigal. So uh, we've got, you know, it's uh, the end of January, so things are starting to move in the legislature, and uh, we, we had some hearings on bills. Uh, start this week. John, you want to give us a quick briefing on some of the things that we uh, testified on this week? Yeah, so earlier this week, a pretty heavy week. I think there were five or six bills total that we had uh, testified on between various committees. Um, So the first one I kind of want to highlight was in the House Education Budget Committee. Uh, I believe it was on Tuesday. They had a hearing over House Bill 2040. Um, This was a bill that would allow districts to use uh, their current year enrollment as a basis for calculating their per pupil spending. Um, So as it stands right now, um, as a school district, you can either use the preceding school year or the second preceding school year uh, enrollment when kind of determining determining, uh, the, the amount of state aid that you'll receive. Um, And so this bill just adds the additional option of your current year enrollment. Um, This is beneficial to a number of districts, but those kind of primarily who are growing in size rapidly. Um, I also believe there are a number of districts who maybe saw a decrease because of COVID who are seeing numbers increase again as students kind of return. Um, Maybe more so last year than this year, but there are a number of districts that are just seeing their enrollment increase Mm -hmm. for one reason or another from year over year. And so that would allow those districts to get funding for those students in the current year instead of waiting um, until the next or the, in some cases, even two years out. Um, so that happened in uh, House Education. And then Leah and Scott, uh, another busy committee for us this week was the House K-12 Education Budget Committee. Um, so I'm going to let, I think, Leah talk. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, John. So on Tuesday, we testified against um, House Bill 2030. That's a bill that prohibits Keisha from preventing non-public school students from participating in public school Keisha activities. So, you know, uh, sports, debate, theater, you know, those types of things, any of those things that are regulated by Keisha. Uh, Many of our listeners probably know that over the past many years, Keisha and local school districts have worked with their local, say, homeschooling folks to put in place some really good opportunities for homeschool kids to participate in some public school activities. But, you know, it's more, it's it's something that is under the control of Keisha and the local control of the local boards. And it has actually worked pretty well for most for most kids and families. But this bill would say, nope, sorry, Keisha, you don't have any authorization over these activities. And, you know, homeschool kids, uh, you know, their parents chose to opt them out of the system and uh, they just should get, but they should be able to participate in any and all of the Keisha activities that a public school kid could also participate in. So as you can imagine, there was quite a bit of conversation uh, in the committee on this. Homeschool parents were pretty passionate about kids being able to participate, and uh, KSB said, well, you know, understandable, but we defer to Keisha's authority over student athletics and activities, and we don't, we oppose gutting Keisha's authority. Keisha tried to explain, uh, you know, how the processes that are already in place, uh, not sure 
if that, uh, I think, unfortunately, probably kind of fell on deaf ears, but, uh, but we'll see how that goes. Scott, anything you want to add to that discussion before we move on? Well, I, Lee, I think you pretty much summed up uh, the bill and, and, the, and the testimony. I mean, uh, in, in these matters, uh, KASB uh, usually does defer to the responsibility of uh, the Kansas State High Schools Activities Association, since they are well represented by um, uh, school leaders uh, mm -hmm. throughout the state. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think, and then um, speaking of well represented, uh, we, uh, we also testified on a bill uh, House Bill uh, 2060, which was pretty straightforward. It would set up a special education task force. Uh, KASB testified as neutral because we support the idea of a task force researching special ed and possibly coming up with uh, improvements in funding. But we felt like the way the bill set up the task force uh, it was a little narrowly drawn, and we thought it should have more representatives of people who uh, actually live and breathe uh, this uh, uh, subject every day. We also uh, adamantly uh, said that the, uh, the the task force or the formation of the task force cannot be cannot be used as a delaying tactic uh, uh, to increase special education funding now. When we were on our uh, tour across the state, I mean, um, the, the fact that districts are having to transfer uh, millions of dollars from general fund, uh, general education, to special education, uh, you know, just means that our, our, our districts need uh, uh, special ed funding increases. So uh, while we were neutral on the bill, we, uh, you know, we were able to uh, at least uh, point out to the legislature that the, the funding increases uh, are what we need now. And uh, Leah, while we were in there uh, with K-12, uh, I think uh, John was over at House Tax, is that right? Yeah. There was a bill yeah. over there with, yes, on one of our they, favorite subjects. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, they had a hearing on House Bill uh, 2002. And so this bill... Uh, back a couple years ago when the revenue neutral uh, rate law was kind of implemented, they created a system for the state to reimburse county clerks for the postage and kind of other costs associated with mailing the notifications out to uh, the residents of uh, just the area that the county serves. And the there, there was a sunset in the bill starting in FY24 that would kind of end that state funding. And so then it would fall on the taxing uh, kind of sub-entities, whether it be a school district or maybe a cemetery district or uh, different entities that would are able to levy taxes. It would fall on them to kind of, if they had to increase the revenue rate or neutral rate, um, it, it would fall on them to kind of pay for those costs of mailing out those notifications. And so this bill would kind of eliminate or would eliminate that sunset and kind of extend uh, the state funding um, or state reimbursement uh, for those costs. Uh, KASB submitted written proponent testimony, um, kind of as we went around the state, um, our members adopted the policy. Um, they believe 
that they would like to see uh, schools kind of exempted from the revenue neutral rate hearing. Um, our members feel that uh, board hearings, the budget process is already really uh, open and transparent in terms of setting up hearings and notifications to their constituents. But uh, in the absence of that, uh, the opportunity for uh, schools to not have to pay for this and allow that money to instead go to educating students um, was something that we submitted written support for. Thanks, John. Good summary. Yeah. You know, going back to the special ed task force, I think uh, another bill that we testified on this week was uh, a concurrent resolution that was heard in the House Education Budget Committee. Uh, it's a concurrent resolution that would potentially be passed by the Kansas House and Senate that would say, hey, federal government, do your fair share on, on IDEA funding. You know, the, the federal government said it had a goal of uh, 40% of of special ed costs and the state has set a state law that says the state of Kansas will, will reimburse districts for 92% of their excess costs after the federal government kicks in its share. As you may know, the federal government share has is hovering around 15%. It has never been a fully reimbursed at the federal level. So the legislature is hoping to pass this resolution and send it to the Kansas congressional delegation to say, you need to do your part so states can do their part too. So I'm happy to let everybody know that on that topic, um, I'm gonna be uh, leading a delegation to, to DC. We're go, we will be on the Hill on Tuesday. And that's one of the big issues we'll be talking about is federal government, Congress, you need to do your job and fund special ed at, at the share that you promised so that the state can also fulfill its obligation and, and all of the students in Kansas will benefit. So, so I wanted to touch on that before I forgot about it. And then of course the big hearing for us this week, and we certainly were not the only uh, folks who were testifying on this bill, was uh, House Bill 2048, and that was in House K-12 Education Budget again. House Bill 2048 uh, expands the state's existing tuition tax credit scholarship program. That is a, a so-called scholarship program that was developed several years ago with the expressed intent of helping low-income kids theoretically get a better education somewhere else. Let's just leave it at that. Um, this bill would expand, greatly expand the number of kids who would be eligible to take advantage of this tuition tax credit. It would greatly change the income levels of folks who are eligible to take advantage of it. And it would also uh, substantially change the tax structure of for the folks who are serving as who might be serving as donors to this so-called scholarship fund. Scott, can you fill us in a little bit on some of those um, details about how this bill would change the current process? Right, Leah. The, well, for one thing, it would uh, pe uh, people or entities that donate to these scholarships currently get a 70% tax credit. This would increase the tax credit to 100%. So I think it's, it's legitimately fair to say this is really no longer a charitable donation, but it's a maneuver to avoid uh, paying your taxes. It also 
uh, would increase the eligibility of uh, kids who uh, who could take advantage. There's Pippin barking in the background. Um, <laughs> He's opinionated, uh, kind of like <laughs> Pippin like does not like vouchers. Good no, dog. No. He is a good, good boy. He is a public. He is a product of the public schools. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it, it also increases the eligibility of um, uh, kids who could uh, uh, get in this program. Uh, a family of four could earn. 250% of the poverty level and be eligible. So for, um, I mean, all families could earn 250% above the poverty level. So for a family of four, that would be $75,000 a year. So years ago, this, this program was pitched as, you know, uh, benefiting the, the poorest of the poor. Mm -hmm. And slowly it is getting bumped up and bumped up and bumped up. So uh, we have really uh, a huge expansion of this program under this bill. And um, of course, Leah uh, represented KASB and there were a lot of other school groups. I mean, I, I, I guess this comes down to almost a philosophical view of how you look at what mm -hmm. the public good is. And uh, I just think using public tax dollars uh, to send uh, to uh, to to send to private schools that may be exclusive uh, just doesn't seem to make sense when you're thinking about the public good. But yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, you know, no. It this is not a a knock on any of you know the religious schools that are yeah. in operation on around the state. It's it's just a fact that we oppose public dollars going to schools that aren't required to accept all kids. You know, they might, they could exclude kids if they have special education needs. They could exclude kids, uh, you know, who live in poverty and might have, you know, some some behavioral or other problems that that at home that might make them more difficult to, uh, to educate. You know, we in public education serve every kid who presents themselves at the schoolhouse door. And we don't believe public money should go to private schools that don't have to accept all kids. So it was a very interesting and uh, sometimes contentious meeting, you know, um, feelings on this, uh, you know, feelings run high on either side of this issue. I, I, I think that uh, the bill will most likely come out of committee. Um, you know, it's something that is, uh, it's a topic that is very popular with legislative leadership. And uh, so, so I think we're gonna see it move forward. And I think we, we're gonna need our folks to be prepared to talk about why tuition tax credits, education savings accounts, vouchers, you know, those are all types of vouchers. Vouchers are bad for Kansas kids. They deprive kids of the resources and the opportunities they need to be successful to fill those critical job vacancies that we hear about and to really to you know to do their best and become the the San Kansas citizens that we want them to be. So stay tuned on that. We also know there is a an education savings account bill that's been introduced. We haven't seen the the text yet. That's another form of voucher. Uh, generally speaking, I believe what this will say is that anyone, public school student, a homeschooling student, uh, a parent could take basically the amount of a child's base state aid and put that into a savings account and apply that to any kind of education expenses. 
including homeschooling, micro-schooling homeschools. And micro. first of all, as far as I know, there aren't any micro-schools yet in Kansas. I don't, so as a, as a result, those schools aren't regulated. Homeschools in Kansas also are not regulated. I could just sign up and, and set up Leah's homeschool and that's it. Nobody comes in to see if I'm edu actually educating the kids in my homeschool. You know, DCF isn't checking on those kids. You know, this education savings account that's being proposed, if it's, if it's like some of the other things we've seen across the nation, you know, it's a voucher that just, it opens everything up and it's a the wild, wild west. And meanwhile, it leaves behind the kids in the Kansas public schools who depend on public education and our service to every single kid who shows up at the door. It's, 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 we will, we will be opposing that with every fiber of our being. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, I mean, when you look at other states and their experiences with vouchers, it has not been good. If you want to Google Epic Charter Schools in Oklahoma, uh, that's a prime example. Uh, we are getting reports of, you know, people in other states using vouchers for things they shouldn't be using vouchers for. I mean, uh, you know, I want to I want to teach my kid how to be a barista, so I'm going to use my voucher to buy a very expensive coffee machine. The tax tax dollars should not be uh, used for those kinds of things. So, um, uh, so we, as Leah said, you know, we are adamantly opposed to vouchers. We are adamantly opposed to this expansion of the tuition tax credit program, and uh, uh, the the bills will probably come out of those com uh, that committee, uh, but we need to get folks to contact their legislators just to say this is not where Kansas needs to go. The State Board of Education has a very good plan for Kansas education, the Kansans Can Vision, and it focuses on uh, uh, producing uh, students who are kind of the whole, the whole deal, you know, they're the whole package, and they come out of school and uh, you know they uh, they know how to fill out a job application, and they know how to they know how to work as a as a member of a team, and and you know they they're good citizens. And I mean, I think that's what our Kansas schools are aimed at. And so that that is the path we should be following, and not this. Uh, and another thing, I'll just kind of ramble here a minute. A lot of these hearings uh, somehow devolved into the, well, which is better public schools or private schools where their tests do this, our tests do that. That is not the issue. The issue is using tax dollars, uh, to send to entities that exclude certain kinds of students. It is, uh, setting up programs that provide tax avoidance, uh, for, uh, wealthy individuals and corporations. And when those, when those entities avoid taxes, that increases the burden on everyone else. So it's, it's a very, uh, it's a very involved kind of, um, debate, but it's, it's, it's really goes to the, uh, to kind of the foundation of what we are as a society. Great summary, Scott. Thank you so much. You know, earlier in the week, uh, Governor Kelly gave her State of the State address. Uh, typically, she gives her State of the State address and kind of teases what her budget is going to be. But uh, she had to postpone the State of the State address because she'd had, um, she thought she might have COVID. And so she went ahead and released her budget last week. But then she had the State of the State address this week. And um, Scott, 
you are a seasoned political observer in the state. Can you can you give us some some of your thoughts about the governor's state of the state address? Well, I think seasoned means old, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, Governor Kelly, uh, I she's, uh, you know, she's a very interesting individual, I think, when you can compare her to governors from other states. Uh, she's very low key, uh, unlike a lot of politicians kind of <laughs> larger than life, you know, they're kind of uh, running, running for the camera lights. And, and the governor isn't that way. She's she's very, um, I would say, introverted and low key. But I think in this state of the state, uh, she was very adamant and and said very clearly that she would she was not interested in any bills that turn parents against teachers or communities against schools. And I think that was definitely a shot, out, shot over the bow uh, that she will veto uh, uh, bills that she has vetoed in the past. Uh, the uh, so-called Parents' Bill of Rights, the so-called um, the transgender bills and, and things like that. Her budget does include a significant increase in special education funding a five-year phase in, and plus she says she wants to work with other states to get the federal government off the dime, which you spoke about earlier. So uh, I, I found it very interesting the way she she framed uh, uh, education issues. Thanks, Scott. You know, unfortunately, in our line of work, we sometimes have to focus on on what we're against, or sometimes we we our focus gets pushed to things that are somewhat negative or or make us all feel kind of depressed and, and hopeless. But John, uh, we had the opportunity to see something really special this week at, at a joint meeting of the House and Senate Education Committee. And so why don't you fill us in on that? Yeah, so it was a great day. Um, we had the opportunity to have the uh, Kansas Teacher of the Year and regional finalists uh, kind of come together and kind of speak before the joint committee of the house uh, and senate education committees um so you know these are distinguished educators from around the state who are kind of were brought here to be honored um, for their achievements and what they, they all do and their dedication and kind of sacrifice for public education and so uh each uh finalist and uh teacher of the year got the opportunity to kind of speak and uh, give a little bit of insight into what it's like to be in the classroom. Um, and so they were asked to kind of share uh, some innovation, something innovative that they have done uh, either in their district or in the classroom. And then they were also uh, asked to share some advice for any students who would be uh, interested in maybe becoming a future educator. So there was a lot of really good um, advice and kind of just a, a great opportunity to hear about the great things that are going on in the Kansas classrooms. Uh, and so we, you know, we wanted, I just want to take opportunity to kind of read off the list, um, kind of just, you know, give those, give them as much recognition as they deserve. And uh, the regional teacher of the year finalists uh, it were Jessica Gazzano. Uh, she is from Spring Hills USD 230. Uh, There's Erica Huggard from Emporia USD 253. Uh, Mallory Keith from Cheney USD 268. Pamela, Pamela Munoz from Topeka USD 501. Kendall Norberg from Lewisburg, USD 416. Jamie Swindler from Ottawa, USD 290. And then Carly Torres from Hutchinson, USD 308. And then, of course, um, the kind of winner or the Kansas Teacher of the Year uh, was Brian Skinner. Uh, he is from Newton, USD 373. 
and uh, something that's kind of you know really neat and uh for, for uh Mr. Skinner is that he is a special education teacher um and so kind of in a year when special education is really at the forefront of the conversation around the state house and um to kind of have that that voice and that that person be the teacher of the year um that really speaks testament to kind of the importance of that funding and the services that you know those teachers provide and just the great work that they do every day yeah thanks john and you know i have to i have to say you know i think john's got some skin in this game because he's engaged to someone who could potentially be a Kansas teacher of the year in the future. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, lots of support for teachers on the uh, KSB staff. So nice job, John. Well, I think, you know, on that positive note, I think we'll wrap up for this week. We'll talk to everybody again uh, next week. I want to thank again, our producer, Alec Madrigal, my colleagues, Scott Rothschild and John Forer, and all of the public education advocates across Kansas who are listening to this podcast. And we'll talk to you again next week.